For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, Prince of Peace, of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish it. Come on, let's just pray. Father, we thank you for sending your son Jesus the greatest gift, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, Mighty Counselor, and Father, because we have you, we have everything. And Lord, we celebrate you today on this Sunday. Lord, I thank you for our friend from Pakistan who just let us know that they're so grateful for this service right now. I'm so thankful from the, for the man from Dalton, Illinois, who drove to our Indiana campus to be here with us today. Father, a completely packed out Long Island full of spiritual family. Lord, I'm just so thankful. We thank you, Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Across every campus, go ahead and find a seat for just a few moments. Oh, I'm wrecked. I'm a mess. Am I the only one who can't stop crying today? We've got this guy I just met from out east on Long Island with this beautiful curly blonde hair. And I hugged him and I started crying and I don't even know him. And he said, why are you crying? And I said, I just love your hair and I'm so jealous. You have this beautiful, he's like Jesus. He's like the white Jesus in the back of this beautiful blonde hair and I'm crying and I'm like, who are you? He's like, I'm just a guy from Long Island. I know Matt and Mia. <laughs> I think he's their neighbor. Is that true? Praise God. I'm so glad you're here. And, and these kids, we got these kids in the service and hey, I'm not going to take a lot of time today. I just want to teach you out of the scriptures for a few moments. But man, the next time, I want to say this to all of our campuses I want to say this to uh, everybody who's tuning in online right now. On behalf of the Signorelli family, just welcome, welcome. I, I, there's something about um, today that, I don't know, this is my favorite Christmas. And, and I, I say that because um, there's no longer Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, male nor female, but we are one in Christ. And the next time that we'll have the opportunity to have church together like this will be 11 years from now. And, you know, because it doesn't fall on Sunday for until 11 years. And to be honest with you, I think part of the reason why I'm so emotional is I know in my heart of hearts that 11 years from now, when we have the privilege of doing this again, that there's going to be many people that are here in these rooms in Indiana and in Portage on Long Island, here in Amityville, in New York City, in Brooklyn. And I, I not, not to bring it down too low, but I know that 11 years from now, when we have a V1 service again on a Sunday, that there will be people who will no longer be with us. 
and we'll say, I wish so badly I could have this day with them, and we won't be able to. And I think there's something about that awareness. You know, a lot of churches have services, but very few churches have family. And I'm so thankful that this church is a real family. And I just got to say, you know, as for somebody who grew up without family, with dysfunctional family, with traumatic family, there's something about when you've been orphaned, you know when something is fake and you know when something is real. I had multiple abusive stepfathers. And so when Dean showed up, I looked at Dean and I said, the Holy Spirit said, Dean, he's the real deal and he's, he's here forever and Dean's gonna come in and here's gonna be health. And I'll tell you what, he's been married to my mom, pray for him, he's been married to my mom for decades. And Dean is the realest father I've ever had. But, but the, come on, and he's a real man. And he's pastoring many of you globally and locally. And, but I say that because I had spent so many years with people saying, Mike, I'm your dad. I'll love you. I'll never go anywhere. And I was so hurt by that that when Dean showed up, real knows real. And, there's, and so last night, my apartment in New York City was completely packed. And we had brought people in in different seasons of their life where maybe they didn't have their own blood family. And I looked around the room and I, last night I was so overwhelmed with emotion because I said, that girl, I remember the first time I met her. She's a you know, young woman. And I said, she came to our Brooklyn campus off of Stanhope. And, and I met her and she said, Pastor Mike, I found you on YouTube. And I said, well, praise God for YouTube. Welcome home, daughter. And she goes, well, I'm a Jew, and I'm the first person from my family to accept Christ as Messiah. And she was sitting at my table, and then I looked next to her was her fiancé. And I'll never forget the first time I met him. He said, nobody in my family serves the Lord, and I'm into new age, and I read all these books, and I have no idea, and he accepted Jesus, and the first time I ever met him, I baptized him in the Atlantic Ocean, and now there's a Jew that accepted Christ as Messiah sitting next to a new ager that I baptized in the Atlantic Ocean who are getting ready to get married, and they're sitting in my table, and I said, this is family. This is who we are. I saw black next to white, next to Hispanic. I saw young and old, and I said, this is the kingdom. There's a lot of churches having services, but very few churches have family. And last night, my whole house, nobody wanted to go home. We, Because they said, we're already home. And I said, you can't sleep here. But we had to kick them out in rounds. My daughter, Bella, wanted her presents so badly, she went up to the room and got everyone's coat, and she came down and handed everyone their coat. And she said, this will get them out. I got to get to my presents. But I was crying because I said, when I moved to New York, when we were driving my Kia Sportage, don't you hate on Kia? We got all the way to Times Square, and we, and we didn't even make it to our apartment because our car broke down in Times Square. And five years later, me and my daughters are in Times Square and they're looking at their dad on a billboard and I'm preaching the gospel. 
And little Everly saying, go daddy, go daddy, go daddy. I said, six years before my car was dying in Times Square. And now we have the privilege. We had to take church off of our name till we could get it approved. I gamed the system. Come on, every New Yorker knows how to work it. They said, we can't put religious stuff on billboards. I said, we're not religious. They said, you're a church. I said, well, you ain't been our church. And I said, why can't you approve my ad? And they said, well, because it's religious. And I said, well, you got to tell me some specifics because people are playing instruments. It could be a concert. I said, I'm speaking. I could be Gary Vaynerchuk at a conference. I, I said, so how was it religious? You got to tell me. So they came back and they said, well, they didn't approve it for Times Square because it says church. And I told Evan, I said, Evan, delete church off of it and resubmit it. And then if they discriminate now, we'll just, we'll just threaten them with a lawyer. You know, New Yorkers do that too. I say it's discrimination. So all of a sudden we resubmit it and they say, hey, your, your ad is going to, which we, it's in escrow. We didn't pay for it. It's running in Times Square. And I laughed, but here's why I laughed about that. Thousands of churches in New York City, churches in some parts of Brooklyn, four and five of them on every street, one of them in, in Times Square on that billboard. But six years ago when I moved here, my car broke down in Times Square. See, the Lord, when you come together and you say, hey, we are family because spirit is thicker than blood then what you can do together is so much greater than what you would do by yourself. And when I think about what makes this church powerful is that I, I didn't know it was going to happen today. To be honest with you, I'm so emotional because the entire location is filled up here on Long Island. And you, I saw, when I walked in today, I saw somebody, I walked across here and I saw a group of women praying for each other. And I said, Lord, all we had to do is say yes. Now, ironically, none of our locations will be open next Sunday. <laughs> and some of you might be like, that's contradictory. <laughs> You're a walking, no. Listen, I believe in work hard, play hard. God took a Sabbath, did he not? God did it, not because he needed it, but because he was saying, y'all need it. And be like me. And so we are going to have Sabbath Sunday next Sunday. So don't come to any of our campuses because once a year, we actually take off that time to say, God, we want to hear from you. And as a church, for all of our dream team members and everybody who's worked so hard, we're going to take a break and we're going to be in our pajamas. So next Sunday, Sabbath Sunday, Josh Hamstra, our executive pastor, shout out, he's in Indiana right now. He raised up hundreds of prophets all around the world, and we're going to debut some prophetic voices next Sunday, and then I'm going to give a prophetic word that's already gone viral through Charisma Magazine, and major Christian news sources have syndicated a prophetic word that I gave, so you know it's legit. <laughs> Um, and it's going to air uh, next Sunday. And so God's going to set you up for 2023. But I want to read you something, and then I'm done. But I had to brag on our church. 
I just had to brag on you guys. I, I just, this, this church is the greatest church. I got a message from Rebecca who made a decision to boldly move across country and to live in New York City and to be a part of the vision of V1 Church because Rebecca saw that revival was coming to New York City and, and the Northeast. And, and she just sent me a message and she was saying, Pastor Mike, the people here in our New York City campus are just expressing how grateful they are that the doors are open today. And it's just amazing. I'm hearing those stories. But Luke chapter 2, verse 8 through 16, I want to read this to you. Um, I read to you yesterday about the Magi. And the Magi were incredibly wealthy, so much so that they can take off about 40 days and, and didn't have to clock in and clock out of work. Praise God. And then they, they had treasure chests that they gave those gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh to, to a baby Jesus. I want to show you another group. And these groups, this is the hillbillies in Scripture. If you ever like, where are the hillbillies in Scripture? Um, you know, where are the hood rats in Scripture? I'm going to show you. You didn't think that there was Israeli hood rats or hillbillies. I'm going to show you. Luke chapter 2, verse 8 through 16 says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be assigned to you. He, you will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest of heaven and on earth peace to those whom his favor rests. When the angels had left him and gone into heaven. Now imagine, they're just, these are poor shepherds. These are cooks in kitchens. These are laborers and construction workers. These are stay-at-home moms. I, I need you to understand, these, are, these shepherds just represented normal people. I've been to Israel. We're taking a group of people from V1 Church to Israel in October of 2023, and you're going to see the fields. These are just average people, and, but they had a level of humility in their life. And then they see one angel, and the angel scares them so much, the angel has to say, don't be afraid. This is a good thing, because usually when you see an angel, it's a bad thing. But they said, no, no, this is a good thing. Then, then more angels just sporadically start showing up, and they're all worshiping. Can you imagine how amazing that was? And then this is what they say, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to wh on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that's happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told him about the child and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. And I love this. I'm talking to the mothers right now, but Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all of the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. 
I love that last line. It was just as they had been told. If God said it, that settles it. If God said it was going to happen, it will always happen just as he told. If he said he was going to heal, it's only a matter of time until you're going to experience a healing. If he said he's going to resurrect, it's only a matter of time until he resurrects. If he says he's going to give provision, I'm telling you, provision's on the way. I love that last line, as they had heard and seen. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. And you know, that's the promise that we have today. My wife last night was going around our home and she was cleaning up plates and she was hugging people and she was bopping around and singing. Then she woke me up and you know, it's annoying when you want that extra sleep and somebody wakes you up and then she's kissing all over me. Come on, I'm telling her business. <laughs> and she's like all happy and she's like, come on, it's Christmas morning. And, and then suddenly I realized I had not seen this Julie in about five years because Julie got a debilitating sickness from going to Ukraine and preaching the gospel pre-war Ukraine. And all of a sudden I said, Julie, your strength is back. Julie, I haven't seen you like this in a while. And she said, you know, my dad died and I, was, I went through a, a season of sickness. She goes, but that season is over and I just made up my mind that I'm going to have joy. I made up my mind. And she said, my strength has come back to my body. And I just, and I said, I hadn't seen this, Julie. You know, seasons, they don't last forever. I'm here to tell somebody, you might be crying now, but you're going to be laughing later. Seasons don't last ever. You might be single now, but you're not going to be single forever. I'm telling you right now, I told Julie, I said, there are some people that come over to our house on Christmas Eve, but they're going to have their own families. You know, they're going to be, they're going to have their own legacy. It's just a season. It's just a season. There was a season where Israel had no savior. There was a season where they had no hope. There was a season where they were under Roman occupation and it looked like there was no hope. And they said, when is it going to change? And then the angel said, the time has come. Your waiting season is over. Unto you, a child has been born. You know, there's just a time where maybe when you saw those testimonies, there's people doing drugs and drinking out. I can't tell you how many people said, I'm so thankful for Christmas day services because I get to be with my spiritual family and not my physical family because I can't, I get triggered when I'm around them. But your family, they're just medicating wounds that only Jesus can heal. And there's no amount of eggnog that can heal that wound. It's only Jesus when you allow him. That's what Israel, they, he said, we bring good tidings of great joy. The solution is here. They had been going to the temple they had been buying all of these sacrifices. They had been covering with blood and sprinkling, but it was the blood of animals. And they were saying, this, this, this is a temporary cleansing, but we need something eternal. That's why I read this. I read this, the, the, the Isaiah to kick it off, and then I'm done. I can't preach a full length today. You guys won't, you won't hang with me. But Isaiah chapter 9, I love the, the words of the prophet Isaiah because he says this one phrase. I'm telling you, no matter how good your earthly father was, and no, no matter how long he lived, he is a temporary father. And I will tell you this, I know that no matter how hard I try, I am actively failing Bella and Everly in certain areas of their life. 
because I'm only a man. So even the best dad, Pastor Patrick, you're a great dad. I see your sons here today and your sons have grown and they're mighty men of God and you've raised them up so well. And I love them. They're hilarious. They're funny. They're so skilled. You've raised them so well, but you're a temporary father. All of us here, I look at Randall, I look at the different fathers of this house. Even the best fathers, I think about Andre, who's here, he's always at my, my right side, willing to kung fu chop somebody in the neck. And Andre, every time the doors are open, he's here, but Andre's a good, a great father, one of the best in New York, but Andre's, he's, he's failing his kids in some way we don't know. Even the best father. And you know, I thought about Randy. Randy was the best dad. My wife's dad was the best dad I had seen. But I love this phrase because when Randy died and it put my whole, my whole wife's and their family into tailspin because it was like, man, what's life going to be like? I realized that all of us in this life are going to feel this father wound. We're all going to experience this father wound, but there's this phrase that the prophet Isaiah said. He said, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor. Listen, I believe in Christian therapy, but there are some things that only the wonderful counsel, counselor can counsel you on. I'm so thankful for the human wisdom, but there's the wisdom of the mighty counselor, the wonderful, and he says, mighty God, but there's this phrase, everlasting Father. Where Mike Signorelli falls short, the everlasting father will father Bella, will father Everly. Where Patrick falls short, the everlasting father will father Toki. Come on. Where, where, where we fall, there's a promise that we have. And that promise is an everlasting father. And you know what fathers do? And I'm going to leave you on this. Fathers protect. Fathers protect. When you should have died. The everlasting father says you will not die <laughs> because your earthly father's asleep upstairs, but your heavenly father neither sleeps nor slumbers. And I'm watching over you and you will not die. <laughs> your everlasting father, fathers protect. You're in New York City. You're protected. Though a thousand may fall by one side and 10,000 fall on another side, you will still be standing because now you have an everlasting father. You'll see other people go out, but you're my righteousness. You're my son. You're my daughter. Fathers protect. So when Jesus showed up, Jesus said, I'm born and now you will have everlasting protection. Everlasting. The next thing that fathers do is fathers provide. I've tried so hard to provide for my children. I've worked two and three and four jobs. Even over the time I've pastored this church, I've had different side hustles and things trying to make it here in New York. I've had cars that broke down and we've had these situations. We had little apartments with no heat. And then, then our last apartment that we were in off of Palmetto Street, I can tell you now that I moved out where it was. It was Palmetto Street in Ridgewood. You know, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and he said, Mike, you got to move now. You got to move out of that house. You got to move out of that apartment. I said, I love this apartment. It's three bedrooms in New York City. Are you kidding me? Nobody has three bedrooms. 
You know what I mean? And I said, but the Holy Spirit said, you got to move now. And I begin to look for a place. Didn't even tell my wife I was doing it. I secured that a, a, a new apartment. We moved down the street. Do you guys know that two weeks later, our apartment that we moved out of completely burned to the ground? Everlasting Father. He's a protector. And it was our apartment that burned down. Heaven forbid my daughters were asleep in their bed and the smoke began to roll in. It happened during night. My whole family could be gone. But the Lord says it, it will not be so. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him. I'll never forget when Bella was in my wife's womb. I was working a job in New Orleans, Louisiana. I later found out that in the lineage of the Signorelli family, they came from Italy, from Sicily to Louisiana, New Orleans. Isn't it funny how you'll do a lap? You'll go right back to that place. We were in the lower ninth ward where the waters completely destroyed all of the homes, but there was one home still standing. And I was there with the Army Corps of Engineers to actually, uh, you know, help clear these homes. And I, I remember all the guys were marveling at how this one home was still standing. I walked into that home and on the wall there was a plaque and it said the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him. I said, I came out of that house in the Lower Ninth Ward in, in Louisiana, and I told those Army Corps of Engineers, I said, I know exactly why this is the only house standing. I said, because somebody in this house believes in the power of Jesus Christ to protect them. Fathers provide. Everlasting fathers provide. I've tried so hard to be a good provider for my kids, but I will tell you there's a better provider. And his name was Jesus. He said, even an evil father would never give a stone if you ask for bread. How much more your heavenly father? You know, I, sh I put that picture up on Instagram that showed me and my daughter, who's now 15, in a Nike tech, because she told me that I would be cooler if I bought Nike tech. And apparently everybody from the Bronx who follows me on Instagram said, she's right, she's right. Nike Tech, you're cool now. But, you know, it was expensive. And I say, you know, I, sometimes you got to buy some nice things to prove to your family that the Lord is a God of abundance, you know. So I say, you know, we were going to Miami. I bought it while we were going to, to meet V1 Miami. And I was working, Bella. You know, when you travel with me, I work you double, you know. It, there ain't no vacations. I don't take vacation, you know. I got, <laughs> and so I bought that my, Nike Tech. And you know, there was a woman in the comments section of my Instagram that said, uh, man, my, my son's also 15 and he's been asking for that Nike tech, but man, they're so expensive. I, re I saw that comment and I replied back to her. I said, send me a DM, I got you. I reached out to that woman and, um, and she said, well, you know, my other son wants one. I don't know what to do. And I said, I buy the whole family a Nike tech jacket. And she said, Pastor, you, you can't do this. This is too much money. And I, I said, no. I said, you tell your sons that God does not just care about their needs, but he also cares about their wants. 
God will do exceedingly abundantly more than you can think. There's no poverty gospel here. And I, I said, I want your whole family to put those Nike tech things on and know that God cares about what you want, not just what you need. Everlasting Father. He's an everlasting Father. Mighty God. But this is the last one. Prince of Peace. So fathers protect, fathers provide, and then fathers give peace. Fathers give peace. Last night, we did the sinner's prayer. And listen, you got to walk a narrow path. The sinner's prayer is not the end-all, be-all. It's the start of the journey. Amen? It starts with a confession. But then you got to walk that narrow path and, hey, okay, you confess Christ. Now carry your cross with all the rest of us. But I'll tell you this. The amount of testimonies we received last night of people saying, I feel peace. Well, you know why you felt peace? Because you have an everlasting Father, and fathers always bring peace. There's something about when a dad is in the room, you say, now everything's okay. Now it'll be okay because I have a father. I have everlasting peace. So here's the promise. We give him everlasting glory. And in response, we receive everlasting peace. Everla we, forever, God, I'll glorify you. Forever, God, I'll magnify you. Forever, God, I'll worship you. For, forever, God. And, and then God says, you, well, because of that, you will receive eternal peace. Forever you'll be in peace. I want to pray over you because today across all three of our campuses and everybody tuning in online, you have provision, you have protection, and you have peace. Come on, it's filling this space right now. Do you feel it? When you, I feel led to say this by the Holy Spirit, I said this a couple weeks ago, but I feel this so deep. When you are adopted into the family of God, you had a, a biological father in your first family. But when you become a Christian and you're adopted into the family of God, you get a redo of your childhood. That's why the Bible says, Jesus said, bring the children to me. And he said, in order to come into the kingdom, you have to be like a child because what he was saying, you, you're getting to do a do-over. And, and I think that this Sunday, the reason why Christmas fell on Sunday is because the Lord wants many of you to know you're getting a redo. You're getting a redo. You have another father now. And you're going to learn what your heavenly father says, dream bigger. Dream bigger. Your, your heavenly father saying, no, you, you get another childhood. Dream bigger this time. Dream bigger. Dream bigger. Dream bigger. Dream bigger. Dream bigger. Dream bigger. And you know, depression is just a perverted dream. Depression says it'll never get better. Depression says you'll always be lonely. It's a perverted dream. So when you get a new father, you get a new childhood, and he says, dream bigger, dream again, dream bigger, dream bigger, dream bigger. And that's when, when these shepherds, 
What I love is the Magi were so wealthy. They're on a 40-day vacation. They travel 800 miles, but the shepherds got better than the Magi. They were poor. They had nothing, but they were in the fields just working, no vacation. So guess what? The Magi story took at least 40 days. The shepherd's story took 40 minutes. The Lord says, I'm going to do something on your lunch break because I'm going to show you how good I am. And all the angels manifested around them and they had the craziest story. We got to see the king. And the Lord was saying, dream bigger, shepherds. Dream bigger. Dream bigger. It's bigger than your life. It's bigger than what you've been living in these fields. Sometimes when you're in the field every day, you forget there's more in those fields. And maybe when you're in school every day and you're a school teacher, you forget there's angels all around you. Sometimes when you're a construction worker and you're coming in and out of those environments, you forget there's angels in the atmosphere all around you. Dream bigger. The supernatural is real. And what I love about the story I read you today is that in the shepherd's fields, the supernatural happened. When you go back home, Indiana, Portage, when you go back home, Long Island, when you go back to your homes, New York City, when you go back home, when you go back to your shepherd's field, my prayer is that you see the angels all around you saying, if you're not dead, you're not done. You're here for a reason. I bring great tidings. Come on. Joy. You have an everlasting father. Let me pray for each and every one of you today. What an amazing day. I hated Christmas. I was the Grinch. <laughs> and now look at me. I'm the biggest crybaby. I woke up on Christmas a couple of times without presents. And in one lifetime, the Lord now has used my wife and I as a conduit for thousands to receive presents. I woke up, we woke up, no heat in our home. And now we've got multiple venues with heat, thousands of people. See, the Lord will take what the enemy meant for your shame, and he'll give you double for your shame. That's what the Bible says. I'll give you double for your shame, for your reproach. I'll give you double. That's the promise. Some of you are right there. Everything's getting ready to change. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that on this Christmas, you're doing something different than you've ever done before. This Christmas, you are opening up our eyes to see the angelic realm, that there are more for us than against us. And God, you are a Father, an everlasting Father that protects, that provides, and gives peace. So I pray, may your peace rest upon every single person every single life, the peace that surpasses all understanding. From New York City, Long Island, Indiana, and around the world, may we proceed with your peace. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen.